celebrating 50 years of Drum Corps International. This is a Field Pass Special Edition. Field Pass Traditions. From the parking lot. To the tunnel. To the 50-yard line. On the field. This is your Field Pass with DCI's Dan Potter. There it is. That little audio logo, those few seconds, they evoke such strong emotions in longtime drum corps fans. Well, you see, back in the day, before the internet and YouTube and being able to see whatever you wanted whenever you wanted, hearing that meant that a long wait was over. Finally, you were going to get to watch drum corps on TV. If you were a casual drum corps fan, maybe you went to a show or two live over the summer, then getting to see the PBS broadcast of the Top 12 was your one and only chance to see some of those cores that you missed seeing live. And depending on the market you lived in, the local PBS affiliate might not carry finals live. They might tape it and then hold on to it and air it at another time down the road. The, the PBS station in my hometown would often hold on to that broadcast until Thanksgiving weekend. So in markets where that happened, it was also a marching members only opportunity to maybe see video of their performance. The point is, it's impossible to overstate the impact hearing that little audio logo has on a certain generation of drum corps fans. We are Pavlov's dog in that circumstance. We hear it and we start to drool for drum corps. Of course, now you can find almost any show ever performed somewhere online, and that makes it easy to casually introduce people to drum corps, which, as any longtime listener to the Field Pass knows, is something I'm deeply addicted to. And I bet some of you are too, addicted to that rush that you get when you see the astonished look on their faces and hear people say, wow, I had no idea about drum corps. This is really cool. And that's where we're going to pick up our two-part chat with the titans of drum corps on television, all of them members of the DCI Hall of Fame, director, and by the way, proud Cavalier alumni Tom Blair, co-host Michael Cesario, co-host Dennis DeLucia, and longtime host Steve Rondonero. So, speaking of showing newbies drum corps for the first time, imagine being Rondo and getting to introduce all of those celebrities to our activity. Out of all of those reactions, I wondered if Rondo had a favorite. I have three. Rita, Rita, and Rita. <laughs> Who loved the Cavaliers, I might add. Yes, she did like those Cavalier boys. And I got to tell you, we were in cruel and inhumane conditions that night in the middle of Legion Field in Birmingham, Alabama, in the middle of August, under hot TV lights. Not these girly man LEDs they have today. These were big old Klieg lights, baby. And we were sweating. And, and one of the great clips is we cut back from something and uh, they catch her powdering her nose. And she said, oh, hi, I don't care. And she puts it down and we, we carry on. But she absolutely loved the whole act. And I would love nothing more than to have her back to see what has transpired over all these years. What a gas that would be. Yeah. 
I think that would be fun, but we have to reveal some secrets. I think the whole point of a podcast is the little inside nuggets that you can't find anyplace else. And I think it's only fair to point out now, after all these years, that Tom made the Cavaliers march up at an angle so that it looked like they were going further and farther than any no other course got that. But they would go up at a diagonal and they would look like they're really, oh, my God, nobody marches like the Cavaliers. No, everybody else is marching on a flat field. He's got them slanted up. True or false? It's true. And we all know it. Yeah, well. Tom, describe that camera shot. Uh, We used to call it the Batman shot, the Batman angle. For those of us that are old enough to remember the old Batman show. But... uh, you always made a march uphill. They never went, the Cavaliers never went downhill. That was the, that was the key. But yeah, you're right. I, I admit it. Um, what is the intent of the broadcast beyond reach, recruitment, uh, as Steve pointed out, um, legitimacy in the in the very beginning especially is it to have an accurate historical record or is it to have uh, a piece of first class entertainment what what do you keep top of mind as you're producing either live or for you know the permanent record yeah well i i think that all of the aspects of what the program can do are what I keep in mind all the time. And that's, you know, I, I have always taken this very, very serious uh, as a responsibility, you know, coming out of the drum corps activity uh, and being a part of it and loving it. um, It was always frustrating to me as I watched some of the early shows that were just not very well done because they were directed by people that didn't understand drum corps, didn't know the activity, didn't know what they were supposed to be showing. How many times have we screamed at the television uh, during the Z poll? And there's a shot of a kid hitting a gong, Um, (laughs) you know, the greatest drill move in the history of man. And we're watching a kid hit a gong. Um, So, you know, to a great extent, that was my motivation to get into it in the in the middle 80s was to try and get in there and, and make a difference and, and uh, try and improve the quality of the coverage. But, you know, I think about the permanent record aspect of what it is that we do, because um, to a great extent, the collective memory of the 1987 Garfield cadets is what I showed in the video, you know, I mean, there's all these wonderful things going on. You can't show them all at the same time, but the story that I always tell about Santa Clara, coincidentally in 1987 is Gail Royer didn't tell me about a second girl coming out from under the magic trick. Uh, they, they, They reveal this girl coming out of thin air and then they they pulled the, the the canopy down again. And I went somewhere else with the coverage because I didn't know that there was a second girl hiding in there. So I feel like, you know, I screwed up because now we no one 
30 years later, 40 years later, is ever going to see that. So, you know, I take the permanent record aspect of it seriously, but it's all about recruiting. It's all about legitimacy. It's all about making drum corps look like marching music's major league on every level, whether it's the stories, whether it's the coverage, whether it's the athleticism, you know, you've got to get down there and see what these guys are doing on the field. You don't want to live there because that's not what a drum corps fan wants. So you're, you're, you're always bouncing back and forth between the guy that just wants to watch the whole big picture and a sense of the emotion, a sense of the energy, a sense of the power. You've got to get all of that. And it's just, you know, it's a real challenge, but it's something everyone involved in, in the activity and the coverage of the drum corps over the years, whether it's Steve or Dennis or Michael or, or any of the literally hundreds of people that have worked with me over the years is we just want to, we want to try to express what these performers do on the field. And it's, it's, it's hugely important to me, at least. We've had these arguments for a long period of time. And I can remember some large discussions about it from the folks that wanted to capture the moment. And here's what it was tonight. Tonight's competition looked like this and sounded like this. And here's what it was, which we want the immediacy. But I think that Tom came on the right side of the angels in terms of where there's something that impedes the natural way we want to remember this then we side on the side of the kid. And I can remember the Blue Devils playing If I Were In Love. And there was a high screeching note done very delicately at the end. Not like that. And that kid nailed it every night, every night. And in finals, he didn't do it. Now, what do you show? And we had the discussion at the time, you'll all remember. What do you show? What do you show? The answer is you show him hitting the notes because that's right for him. It's right for the other hundred and some odd people on the field. And it's right for our memory of the piece. Later on, 96 uh, Phantom, at the very end of that thing, a kid slips, gets right back up. But you could see it in the distance. And I'm just slightly dissolved away and slightly came back and you didn't see it. Why? That night, that was important. And that was about, it was not about the kid falling. And I think, I tend to think of it as the build-up system instead of the tick system. Why show the ticks? Dennis, these guys all have either theater or TV broadcast in their, their background. You came into this as a drummer. What was it like when you first knew you were going to do the broadcast and be part of the team? It, it was uh, it was intimidating, you know. Cameras, microphones, storylines. We we never had a teleprompter, so you had to figure out a way to improvise, and hopefully your memory hadn't gone purely to hell at the time, so you could uh, memorize a short piece. And we were so warm and fuzzy and welcoming and uh, just embraced Dennis readily. There was absolutely nothing but love and roses when he joined us. That's true. That's definitely true. <laughs> Do you remember the first thing that you did, Dennis? Remember the first piece? Yes. 
I was, uh, this is before I was in the booth with Steve. So I was the parking lot guy. This was in Foxborough. He was out in, in the parking lot with Blue Devils. Uh, had the opportunity to stand in the center of the Blue Devil Hornline warm-up circle. We had an, a, a, a camera record him doing a little a little commentary and then walk along the Blue Devil's Hornline. And um, we videotaped that and uh, ran it back to the truck so it could go on the air. That tape had to be physically run from wherever they were warming up, which was a distance from the stadium because it's it's the Blue Devils horn line warming up and we're at the stadium. So it would seem like it was live when, when Tom put it on the air. They come booting up the ladder and into the truck and here's the tape, here's the tape. And they put it in the machine and wind it back. And yeah, well, it actually worked. So <laughs> it's a real life scene from broadcast news, man. It's like, yeah, Bobby yeah, Hunter. Bobby, 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 Bobby. <laughs> And yeah, imagine yeah. the fact that Dennis was seeing horns for the first time. <laughs> he knew they existed, I guess, for the first time. <laughs> Where'd you put me? Where's the drums? I had never heard them. See, my other role, I had a lot of fun because, first of all, I would get Dennis and Michael going, which is an entertaining show <laughs> in and of itself. But if there's something out there controversial or something I didn't think was very good, you know, I'm the MC. I'm the neutral guy. So I just say, hey, Dennis, what'd you think of that? <laughs> and Dennis being the forthcoming fellow that he is. <laughs> you caused some controversy. You called some things out, man. Can you talk about a few of those times? You talking to me? Yeah, we're talking to you. <laughs> yeah, we're talking to you. Dennis, what'd you think about that? Well, you know, of course, we had seen each of the cores several times before, you know, championships. And we agreed at which shows, which core shows were just awful. So we go on the air and one of those cores performs and Steve just, Steve would usually say a few things and then throw it to me. Well, this one night he just goes, Dennis, <laughs> what do you want me to say here, Steve? Steve was the worst. You're right, Dennis. Because he's used to ad-libbing and all of that. I'm from the theater. Give me my lines. I'll say my lines. So when we would rehearse, I'd say my lines. And, I, you know, something like, they're really having a terrific night tonight uh, after that 92-7 yesterday. And then when we came back to do it live, Rhonda Nair would say, after their 92-7 last night, they're really having a great <laughs> And you go... I don't have anything. <laughs> you just took my line. Just sucked the oxygen right out of you. <laughs> I wouldn't do that to you guys. Come on. <laughs> I, I remember sessions where we would sit around and, and try to come up with the best way to say that somebody didn't have a very good night. It wasn't the performance they had hoped for. Right. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> Um, that yes, they were hoping for something a little different tonight. Um, but yeah, it's a challenge because, you know, we're, we're not in the business of knocking drum corps, you know, we want, we're On here to promote hand, drum corps. You're in the business of covering a musical sport or however you want to phrase it. And you do want to be honest about the performance. And when it's not the performance that they had hoped for, 
you do have to talk about it. It's a well, credibility uh, issue. Yeah. yeah. I mean, people expect us to be expert, especially uh, these other two goombas, and uh, they expect some uh, some salient comments. And there's a fine line to walk. You know, the other thing that changed dramatically with this broadcast, first with championships, is we had two nights to get ready. If we were doing a PBS finals live or a two-hour highlight show on PBS, we had two nights of drum corps to hone our act and get ready for the big thing. Now this all changes with the cinema show, and the first night we hit town, we're live for five hours in movie theaters. Man alive, it uh, it just became a whole different thing. Hmm. The other aspect that changed is when we added the tour premiere show. Hello, we haven't seen anybody. We don't know what the heck to expect. It, uh, Tom's great about trying to sleuth out some early season camp videos and make some visits, but that, that tour premiere is a whole nother animal uh, onto itself, and we have a different plan of attack with that uh, that includes getting some of the, uh, the people who design the shows up in the booth with us to help ex- explain and lay it out for us and the, the crowd. Everybody's seeing it for the first time ever. And that, that, that one, uh, that took some getting used to, but I think we got it down to an art. The other thing it did was get the cores buns on the fire to be ready sooner. It was amazing. Yeah. Amazing how good they got in time. For it that mu- it must've been the artistic director at that time. Oh, I'm sure that was a big part of it. Constant pressure. Well, I, I think I think the artistic director has had a lot to do with uh, how drum corps has evolved in the last decade or so. I mean, Michael deserves a great deal of credit for how drum corps has progressed over the last decade or, or 15 years or however long he's had his hands directly involved in, in that, because I, I think I think. Drum Corps has a tendency to be its own worst enemy sometimes. And it can, people get full of ideas um, that maybe aren't really all that accessible, maybe aren't all that saleable uh, commercially. Um, and, and Michael has been incredibly important to the success of, of Drum Corps. Oh, how, that, how very nice of you. It really is more trying to take what was, they don't have that job anymore, but um, we knew we were going down a rabbit hole in terms of the, the cores were terrific, but the intellectual properties of the cores and the imagination of the writers was, and they certainly have a choice to do whatever show they want. Um, and they would say, well, you know, it's our choice to do this. And I would say, have you ever heard the phrase bad choice? <laughs> um, it, there's, uh, it's not easel painting. You, you don't go up to your ivory tower. It's the nature of the, of the beast <clears throat> and, and just paint whatever you feel. This is a lot like theater. It's art on a schedule. On Friday night, you better be playing that number and it better be great. And its job is to reach these people. It's not really an intellectual. I'm one that believes in the intellectual powers and process of this, of this activity. But I also have a problem when you can't discern through the depths and the fog of the 
Nobody's reading Kierkegaard in between the cores. This is not a high-level philosophical discussion. And that's why when you see some of these cores that do such a great job of blending them both, the blue coats, for example, um, where there's plenty of intellect going down, but they never leave the crowd out of their earshot, never leave their crowd out of their eyeshot. There's something to watch. And I think that's where most groups have gone or trying to go. It's important when we're creating the broadcast or the, the, the audio video products is to figure out what it is that they're trying to say. You know, that's important to me is what are you trying to say? Because if I can figure out what you're trying to say, then I can help you say it. And it's going to, it's going to give you the best opportunity to succeed in our media. All right. And, and, and to return your compliment backhandedly, there are many shows that you and your team saved that look great now, but we're not. And I know Dennis is nodding along with me here <laughs> and I'm not going to mention a certain core that nobody could figure out what the heck was going on on the field. And then, and then when the, when the videos came out, everybody went, how did we miss this magical moment? You're doing it. And you literally created a show where there was no show. Oh, wow. um, and, and that's just how sympathetic uh, to the course of what they're trying to do that you are. And I, I, I give you that. Um, God bless you. <laughs> so even, even if the core didn't find a way to draw focus to a certain part of the field during their show, you knew it was there. You found it and put it in the final production. Yes, that was that's what we always tried to do, and and I would I would do that by way of meeting with the cores, talking to the designers. Um, you know, in the I, I think in the early days of my directing and and producing the show, it might have been a little easier because things weren't quite as layered as they are now. Um, there's a guy who deserves a great deal of credit. Uh, named Jeff Clark, who has been directing the coverage of the cores uh, for, I mean, gosh, since 2008. Uh, he's been directing and uh, we work, you know, together in conjunction, uh, particularly as it relates to the edited products, uh, where we've got an opportunity to go back and, you know, kind of look at all the cameras from all three nights um, and put together maybe a little uh, a little better presentation than what we could do live. But um, you know, Jeff has been he's been the guy that's that's dealt with this extremely complicated uh, era of drum corps in terms of both because you've got visual and you've got musical presentation. You know, yeah. Let, a, let's talk a moment about audio, Dan. You and I have announced shows down there on that sideline and been absolutely punished. Yeah. by the speakers and the amplification the headaches that has given tom and the audio guys and trying to overcome that has been uh, nothing short of uh, parting the red sea yeah it's it's been tricky and uh uh i think one of the things that's key is that i've i managed to somehow coerce uh some very talented people to work on the show with me. And, uh, and those people have stuck around. 
um, for reasons surpassing understanding, but um, some of these guys are, are amazingly talented and committed. You know, we've, it's even gotten to the point where we've been involved in some of the winter meetings where we've done presentations and talked to the cores about what can you do to uh, present a, a, a more musically authentic presentation um, and, and keep sound reinforcement as the priority, as opposed to just, you know, how can it be really, really loud? Uh, so yeah, it's been challenging, um, but the cores, like everything else, the drum cores get better over time at whatever they're doing. I mean, how long did it take us to, you know, add a valve for Pete's sake? Michael, let's, let's talk about, I said, we'd come back to this. You have dropped some of the most colorful phrases uh, associated with the DCI broadcast, whatever the platform was. Uh, things from uh, that really swashed my buckle to um, I want to take a – it's like taking a bath in warm chocolate, I think, is was one of them. Leave, leave the warm out. <laughs> <laughs> Our late dear friend, Mike Boo, who was the source of most of the scripted material and – resource beyond all resources just a great man yeah. mike boo wrote slash my buckle the idea was that it went between two i the joke was the old joke about uh because they're pirates and it's how much do you think those earrings cost and the answer was a buccaneer <laughs> got it a buccaneer okay uh -huh. so it starts with me saying, boy, they really splashed my buckle. And we never got past that because everyone went, oh, my God. <laughs> what do they mean by that? And uh, taking a bath, uh, taking a bath of chocolate was not a phrase I had used before. We were talking about uh, the regiment uses that very deep sound, all those euphoniums instead of air tone. And so they do sound or did sound like different from everybody else. And we had talked, I made sure to have a comment about everybody's horn line and what I talked And we got to them and I said, it's such a rich deep sound. It's like taking a bath in chocolate and people come up to me today. Now where they saw this, I have no idea. It's on a kinescope in the Library of Congress. All right, um, let's, let's wrap this up and let's just go around the horn on... We've seen the platform and the product change so much since the, the first broadcast in the 70s till now. You know, as we look ahead another 50 years, Steve, how will we reach people? What kind of experience will we give them with a broadcast of a DCI World Championship? What do you think it'll look like? Well, it's going to be fun doing the show as a 132-year-old. but uh... You're never going to quit, are you? I'm not going to quit. I told Mr. Atchison they'll have to pry the mic out of my cold, stiff fingers. Uh, I'm the luckiest guy in the world. A profession that I enjoyed, uh, an activity that I loved. I get to put the two of them together and get the best seat in the house and tell people what it's like. What's, what's better than that? The only thing that came close was covering the manned space program. So, I, you know... The, this is the one thing that I, I keep 
agitating for, and it bugs me a little bit. We've done a great job of preaching to the choir, honing our message. The cinema broadcast is targeted to the people who know about drum corps. The internet is targeted to people who subscribe to watch drum corps online. The beautiful thing about PBS was that it spoke to everybody. They didn't have to be in a pew in a church. And that was a great source of exposure. I'd love to see some form of what we do get out there in a wider and more public platform. Broadcasting. Broadcasting, not narrow casting. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a place for it when you look at the stuff that's out there on the cable networks and uh, cheerleading competitions or rodeos or whatever. I think there is a place for us out there somewhere in the wider arena. And I would like to see a little bit of uh, Back to the Future in that regard. Dennis, when people are looking to watch from outside the stadium in the future, what do you think that's going to look like? Well, I certainly agree with Steve in that uh, the, the focus has been to try to broaden the audience base. And we've never really succeeded at that. I mean, I still think that drum corps fans are drum corps fans and they take care of business. But to get outside of that has been a, a real struggle. Okay, Michael, what do you think our broadcasts or whatever it will be called in the future is going to look like? We're going to go along with the group. I think that um, one of the best things about building our audiences today are the bands, uh, Bands of America, uh, where now we see the we finally see the influence of what the drum corps look like and sound like and how they arrange and what they do is now all there. Promotion is one thing, and then being available to incoming technology and being tolerant of things that we don't think are good drum corps. Mm. Uh, because the newer folks are, you know, I mean. There's a lot of drum corps, quote unquote, staging these days that looks like people waiting for a bus. Uh, And the bus comes along and they drop them off at the next bus stop. But that's where we're at today. And I hear people going, it's not like the old days. No, thank goodness it isn't. And every era is going to have its own version of great drum corps. Let's allow everybody to not only live in our past, but let them create something that's theirs and theirs alone. Tom, can we talk technology? I mean, not only in terms of how people are going to get this product in the future, but experientially, what's it going to be like? Is it going to be like sitting in the stadium? Are you going to have a 360 view? Is it going to be 3D? What do you think? You know, it's where we're at right now. It's tough to answer that question. I think, um, I think if I continue to be involved, we will pursue whatever technology presents the drum cores in the best light. And you, to try to capture what they're doing on the field, I, that's why I got excited about uh, really good surround sound and, and playing around with where in the, where do we put the viewer. Well, I've opted to put the viewer on the podium as if he were conducting with the crowd behind and you you can manipulate all kinds of things like that. There's more technology coming down the town, down the pipe. It'll, there'll be 360 virtual reality. We've experimented a little bit with that already. Um, But I think 
I think we've got to be very careful uh, to to make sure that we don't become so inside that we just can't grow because there's there's no resource to grow. Broadcasting means reaching a, a bigger audience and we're not doing that. You know, we're not we're not we're not appealing to the general public like we should be. And um, I had the interesting experience of, of needing to put together trailers, movie trailers for the theater uh, programs every year. And I wrote a line that's for the tour premiere that said uh, uh, something to the effect of, 50 years as leaders in family entertainment, I think, was something to that effect. Do you have any idea how long I sat and looked at video trying to find an image that matched family entertainment? Hmm. Because everyone's writhing and, and you know, there's all this uh, uh, agony on the field. And, and, you know, I'd like to be... Uh, let's just make sure we don't get in our own way um, and, and, and be appealing and don't be so full of ourselves that you can't sell it. You know, no matter what, you still have to sell it. And so I would like to see the use of whatever technology is available to make the drum corps uh, uh, closer to the real thing. And, and I've said for 30 years, you can't duplicate what these guys do on the field. You just can't do it. And so how can we get close? How can we tell the stories uh, of the dedication and the experience that these guys go through? That's what I want to do. And I want to reach more people. I want more people in the stands. I want more people to understand what an incredible experience drum corps is and one other thing i want to tag onto this these four guys here i've had the honor of working with over the course of a bunch of decades have become some of my closest and dearest friends on the face of this earth and we have been pulled together by doing this thing, but it's pulled us together on more than just a professional level. But I think that shared passion also on a, on a personal level. And uh, that, means, uh, that means more to me than a, than a lot of things. Reliable Rondo, Steve Rondonero with Tom Blair, Michael Cesario, and Dennis DeLucia. What an honor to chat with the four of them. Next time on Field Pass Traditions, stuff. 50 years of stuff, what gets kept and what gets lost to time. I'm Dan Potter. I'll see you at the stadium.